Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call one 800 245 6000 That's one 800 245 6000 Or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. Taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I am Jack Fowler, the host, but the star and the namesake. That's Victor Davis Hanson. He is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow with the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. He has an official website. It's called The Blade of Perseus. The web address is victorhanson.com. You need to go there. I'll tell you about it at the end of this, uh, towards the end of this uh, particular episode. Victor, um, I think today a couple of interesting pieces have come up on the great website Powerline. One is about Kwanzaa. One's about a forgotten massacre in America by the Dakota Indians. And those things, and maybe if we have time, Victor, we're going to be a little short today, folks, but um, there's some insanity going on in California about requirements for toys to be sold. Gender-neutral toys must be sold in gender-neutral parts and toys. I mean, it's just crazy. God knows what else will happen in our lifetime in California. But we'll get your thoughts on, on these issues, Victor, right after we uh, come back from these important messages. <laughs> Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. 
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code victor50, that's code victor50, at factormeals.com slash victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. We're back with the Victor Davis Hansen show. And Victor, before I, I pose uh, something to you about, I think we should start off with the, with the Wanza. Let me just take a minute quickly uh, to welcome back a great sponsor of, of our podcast that's Hillsdale College and I want our listeners to know that uh, Victor is one of the professors in three of uh, the over 40 free online courses that Hillsdale uh, College offers. The first course is uh, American Citizenship and its Decline that's based on Victor's best-selling book The Dying Citizen. The second course is the Second World Wars and that's based on another of Victor's best-selling books by the same name. And the third course is titled Athens and Sparta, and that course is partly based on Victor's book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. These courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they're self-paced, so you can take them whenever you want and wherever you want. So go right now, or why don't you wait till after the episode ends, to hillsdale.edu slash VDH to start. They're free, and they're easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash VDH to start, hillsdale.edu slash VDH, and we thank the good people at Hillsdale College for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, uh, the other day, um, the president of the United States uh, put out a statement. Jill and I wish a very happy Kwanzaa to all those celebrating across America and around the world. May your homes be filled with hope, peace, and light. And in 2024, may we carry with us the wisdom of the seven principles of Kwanzaa, especially those of unity and faith. And at Powerline, Lloyd Billingsley took this as an opportunity to uh, give a little education on Kwanzaa and Kwanzaa's founder. And that's a, a um, an activist and a, an academic and a brute, I think, my words, named Ron Karenga. 
And uh, here's just one little quick thing about him, according to this is from Billingsley's piece. In 1971, a court convicted Karenga of kidnapping and torturing two women in his organization. According to Karenga tortured women, followers, wife tells court, that's a title, from the Los Angeles Times, Karenga stripped naked Deborah Jones and Gail Davis, whipped them with an electrical cord and beat the women with a karate baton. The Kwanzaa founder, and he is the founder of Kwanzaa, he concocted and made Kwanzaa, uh, also stuck a hot uh, soldering iron in Davis's mouth and used a vice to clamp down on one of her toes. Victor, um, I, I don't think we're surprised that in our world today, creeps and weirdos and ne'er-do-wells um, rise to positions where they're esteemed by the president of the United States. I, I, I have a feeling, Victor, you know a little bit about this character, you being once part of the California education uh, uh, college system. Any thoughts about this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, and uh, well, you can correct me, I don't think his name is Karenga, and that's a tip-off, isn't it? In America, you can always reinvent yourself. That's what elixir salesman did out west and that's what he is he's a peddler of nostrums he i i just remember him because i was a member of the california state university system and he i think was from long beach so every once in a while you'd hear about him and he just created this imaginary event he has an imaginary name i don't know i think his name was everett or something it's like for anybody who changes their name and for a particular you know it's Professor Ibram Kendi, right? Kendi, or uh, I think Van Jones made up the name Van. Uh, you can even argue Barack Obama. I mean, he was known as Barry Sotero for a long time, Barry, even though his right. given name was yeah. Barack, Barack. But my point is that that's always a tip off of a person uh, trying to find authenticity where there's no authenticity there. And so... He did a lot of damage in the sense that he campaigned that Christmas was a white person's this. He's one person of the 60s who was given a complete exemption for his criminal behavior. He went right back. I think he's still at Cal State. I think he still is. And he, he, Yeah, almost like, seems like 50 years. Almost. Yeah, he's probably in his 80s. But my yeah. point is that criminal conviction, imprisonment, what does it matter? You can still be a professor. And I think he had kind of a phony PhD, and then I think USC gave him a PhD. But it's just another one of these examples that there's all these exemptions given on the base. If any other person was not him within African Swahili fake name and Kwanzaa and African-American and always calling people racist, he, his career, such as it is, would not exist. He would. If I right now went out and committed felonies and I would be fired from every association and I should be if I did what he did. And it doesn't happen, did it? Yeah. So uh, that's and then what does Joe Biden know? I mean, what wasn't his didn't his wife say something about having a breakfast taco? Remember that to Hispanics? These are just just <laughs> suburbanite. Guilty white people who grift and try to shake down yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, he's really a reprehensible person, Joe Biden. He goes around the country telling everybody to pay their fair share when there's hard to find anybody in his family doesn't cheat on their taxes. He mouths this stuff about Kwanzaa. He has no idea what it means. He doesn't. You, if you ask him what it was, he would have no idea. And I don't think anybody seriously follows it. I think right. it's just something that white, guilty, wealthy people reference so they feel good about themselves. Well, white guilt is, uh, we listen to Shelby and Eli Steele, it is at yeah. the core of everything uh, in, the, in the, of the last 50, 70 years. Um, Victor, stay, sticking with Powerline, Governor Waltz, Walls of Minnesota, which had just changed its flag, by the way, some flag controversy. He, he, he put out a tweet or an X the, uh, the day after Christmas. He writes, 161 years ago, 38 Dakota men were hung. Today, the Dakota 38 plus two runners ran 71 miles overnight from Fort Snelling to Mankato in remembrance of the largest mass execution in U.S. history. Their sacrifice reminds us all to continue our commitment to accountability and healing. So... Um, John Hendricker takes the opportunity of this tweet to remind us, well, why were these 38 Dakota um, Indians uh, men, why were they hung? And they were hung, Victor, uh, because they participated and engaged in the greatest mass murder uh, ever to happen in America. And uh, it's a fascinating read. And your thoughts on it, my friend? Well, it was it was the greatest mass mur uh, murder of American citizens. And it wasn't just a mass murder. It was mutilation and rape. It was kind of a Hamas raid. It really was. It was very similar to Hamas. They not only killed uh, settlers, civilians, uh, but they mutilated them for a purpose of instilling terror. And, I mean, you go back. One of the things that people don't talk about is these collisions of civilizations, I'm not excusing the brutality on either side, but they're never 100%, 0%. When Hernan Cortez went in in 1521 to Tenochtitlan, he met a society that was ripping the hearts out of sacrificial victims at over 20,000 a year and was practicing ritual cannibalism. So it wasn't like the Aztecs were beloved. The only reason he destroyed Tenochtitlan, the Aztec Empire, he had 100,000 Tlaxcalans that hated them more than they hated the Spanish. And the same was true about the Lakota and the Dakota Indians. They were very fierce tribes people, and they went in and butchered people, uh, people being other indigenous tribes. And they had certain traditions that would be considered today quite violent. And uh, so this romanization, John Keegan got in big trouble once, the distinguished military historian. He was talking about the wars for North America. And he made a point that at the time of the Irish waves of 1840s, when people were starving, you had cities in Europe, and he gave other examples, where you would have, um, you know, Ten thousands of people living per square mile. And then in North America, you had maybe three or four people for 100 
miles in the West. And when one society that's crowded and starving has the ability with transoceanic navigation to get to another place where they're not starving, then you have a collision of cultures. That's something like what we see in the border. And the result's going to be a mess. And it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be pretty. But what I'm getting at is, and I think the power line writers make it really do a good job is it's not Marcus of Queensbury rule. It's it, you know, it's not beanbag. When you have people who are starving, they're coming in and settling places, and they have a technology that the indigenous population, who's very violent, does not have, then you're going to have a conflict, and there's going to be savagery on both sides. But, and this is the but, the people that are in the United States today would, and for all the romanticism about Native American this and that, would you want to base the, your current lifestyle, your prosperity, security on the Lakota-Dakota model or on the Western civilization model that came here? And you should make that decision before you take sides. And and when you look at the number of atrocities, it's, it's the people that were – this Governor Waltz, they think there's a bunch of wealthy white people that came across – uh, in beautiful ships, and then they landed in the East Coast, and they got on these luxurious wagons, and they had all this money, and they came out, and they just started slaughtering. It wasn't that way at all. It was this, They were the poorest people in the world. They died in droves. They died of diphtheria. They died of every imaginable disease. They had nothing, and they came out, and they were hard scrabble. And they fought with Indians, and Indians tried to exterminate them, and they tried to exterminate them. That's what happened. But the net result of it is they, they did something I don't think any other. They did create, I think you, I'm pretty sure that the land that is devoted for reservations is larger than 11 individual states. Not together, yeah. but 11 individual yeah. states. And it's a huge amount of acreage. And they're, it's very wealthy. And so that, whatever you want to say, there was something that the conquering power did. And everybody says genocide, but it was not. A systematic genocide at all. It was disease. It was counter. It was challenge and response. So one side brings to the new world uh, people with malaria or people with smallpox or people with different types of traditions that are injurious. The other side gives them what? Sugar, uh, tobacco, cocaine, venereal disease does do you say oh my god if if those crazy spanish or british just hadn't have gone to the new world they wouldn't have discovered sugar or they wouldn't have had tobacco or they wouldn't have had venereal diseases or they wouldn't have known anything about cocaine no it's tragedy it's not melodrama that's what history is well victor um we're gonna shotgun a few quick um items here to get your views and then and the next one we're going to uh, talk about is surgery the american college of surgeons and their deep embracing of dei and we'll get to that right after uh, these important messages 
Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start hillsdale.edu slash vdh. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, Victor, my old stomping grounds, National Review, there's a gentleman, I'm not sure who this is, Richard Voss uh, Hart, and he has a piece um that came out right around Christmas. It's titled, It's DEI or Bust for the American College of Surgeons. He's written about this before at, at NR, and he makes a case as, you know, DEI is starting to get a black eye. Um, there's pushback. There's even some places where, where DEI administrators are being fired. Um, it's a long way to go. And, and let me read this. He writes, and yet, despite what's the seeming that the, the trend seems to be abating. And, and yet the American College of Surgeons has grabbed onto the ideology of structural racism and just won't let go. After embracing anti-racism and DEI in 2020 and promoting the ideologies at the 2023 annual clinical Congress in October, the leadership of the ACS, American College of Surgeons, is seeking to further embed anti-racism and DEI in the college and into surgical practices. They've created something called a toolkit that they're forcing uh, surgeons to uh, follow. And the author of this piece says the toolkit is an exhaust is 
an exhaustive, some might say exhausting, compilation of everything related to pushing the narrative of systemic and structural racism as the source of disparities, including minority representation within the, the American College of Surgeons and clinical outcomes in minority surgical patients. Blah, blah, blah. No, not blah, blah, blah. I'm not attacking the article. I'm just going to stop reading that. You know, Victor, we it's been a while since we've uh, talked about this, but uh, um, that that DEI would come into something that really is has to be about meritocracy and not about anything else. I mean, who wants who wants to have brain surgery by somebody that does that really shouldn't be practicing brain surgery, but for other reasons? Anyway, your thoughts about this, Victor? Uh, well, everybody when they looked at woke or affirmative action, then when we went into DID, DEI and woke, they all said, well, it's in the English department. Who cares? I think the English department matters. So what if people are not learning King Lear and Macbeth and they're, they're reading Professor Kendi? Big deal. But that wasn't, that was bad. But the problem was it was an assault, not on the English department, but on the whole idea of meritocracy and standards. And it was a commissariat. It was a Soviet idea that you were going to inject ideology into the evaluation of performance. And the goal would be to be an enforced equality now redefined as equity on the back end, equality of result. And that would require a lot of coercion in government, power, money, leverage. And that's what we have. And now it's intruded into airline, United Airline pilots, military efficacy, and by the way, they have lowered standards. For example, when you put women in combat, you have to lower the physical requirements. And then they said they weren't going to do that, and they have done that. And the same thing is true now about medicine. We're, we're going to use criteria, and it's happening. It's not that this is going to happen. This has been happening since George Floyd, where we've had radical recalibration of medical school. We get to the point now that I had a, a very well-known I won't mention his name, commentator, write me and say basically his son, who went to a very distinguished school, applied to 16 medical schools and could not get into one. And that's the story I've heard again and again, and based on the fact that these people are white males and they're very good. And so there's been, we're going to now, but you know what's weird is I can tell you that when Barack Obama has a serious medical incident or Joe Biden has a serious medical incident or Professor Kendi has a serious medical incident or Michelle Obama has a serious medical incident, she's going to call everybody around and she's not going to ask for the race, sex, sexual orientation of the surgeon to save her life. She's going to ask how many surgeries does this person have? What is his record? That's what they're going to. But that's not going to apply to other people because they have means of getting around the very system that they've created for us. And I, I think it's frightening because it's a, it's it's something that got to, everybody should remember why the United States works. We were the only country that had this constitution whose natural evolution from the very beginning. It said all men were created equal in the de declaration. There wasn't a mention of race in the constitution. The natural expression of the constitution was the evolution. 
not to change the nature of it, but just to reinforce the idea that if you applied the Constitution in its innate form and didn't try to massage it or, or interpret, just here it is, that it would include equality. And that's why people came here. And it gave them a chance to have an idea, an invention, a discovery where they could not be censored. They couldn't say, hey, you're a Catholic. You can't you can't invent the phone. Hey, you can't do this. And we did this with blacks for a while, but we got over it. And we said, in addition to that, come to the United States. You can have your own company. If you're Elon Musk, come over here. We want you. If you look at the number of immigrants that came legally, they came here for one reason, that they felt there were restrictions, ideological or racial or religious. So what's wrong with the Islamic world? Every time you get a very talented person, he butts up against fundamentalist Islam or an autocratic government in Syria or, you know, somewhere like Iran. That's the problem. And you can't fully express your idea or your new invention or something. There's always going to be a, a bridle. Not here. That's why we were the and Ch communist China suffers from the same malady. If you butt up against the hierarchy in Beijing or communist party ideology, you're going to be in trouble unless you bribe your way through. But here in the United States, it was we're going to be the marketplace of ideas. Just come over here, and if you have a better idea based on its logic or its utility or its efficacy, you're going to succeed, and you're going to be compensated in a very lucrative manner. And that's that was an engine of opportunity and dynamism. And now we're doing exactly what we said that we would never do. We're destroying that entire vision, that entire protocol. We're saying, you know what? Whether you have an idea or an invention or a skill or training or education is going to depend on basically the color of your skin or your gender or your sexual orientation. Sorry, that's just going to, the way it's going to be because we're going to engineer a society that's, I wish I could say proportional represent, representative, yeah. but it's not anymore. It's repertory. And imagine, if, imagine if that was the mindset 100 plus years ago. George Washington Carver would have been the wrong race, right, to be an actor. What do you think the mindset would be if it was the NFL and the yeah. NBA today? You just said, yeah. you know what, that the NFL is too black. I'm sorry. It's not. We don't. We just systematically discriminate against Asians and Latinos. Whites are underrepresented, but not as bad as Latinos and Asians. There must be something fundamentally racist. Somebody, no, no, it's just, what is it? Tell us what it is, why they are not being represented on the very lucrative playing field like African-Americans. Is that where you want to go? And we can do that with all sorts of things if you want to government engineer things. And it's very yeah. deadly when you do because we have historical precedents for people who tried to do this. And they didn't all start out like Pol Pot and Stalin. They all start out with this stuff. We're going to make it fair. We're going to get rid of the aristocracy that oppressed you. We're going to have an op equal opportunity for the peasant. And then it came, it descended into this. So Yeah. Did it's you see that? Did, did you see that project Veritas, or it was James O'Keefe? I, I forget. I don't know if he did it under his own auspices. Of the, uh, they caught the IBM executive yeah. yes. about, about uh, yeah about exec don't about white males and stuff. Oh, and about Asians. Asians, Asians are Asian. not a, not a minority. Yeah. Something to that effect. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I couldn't believe that this whole thing, there were, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw that shot of Asian students at Harvard protesting with a placard that said something like, we're not the ideal, we're not the ideal minority or we're not the good, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. As if, as if don't patronize us and say that we're being discriminated. We, we are left wing. And I'm you thinking, okay, if you're left wing, then you're happy with DEI and you've been s- systematically discriminated <laughs> against at Harvard based on your record versus the number of Asians that get in. If you don't want people to object to that, that's fine. But I thought that was suicidal to say that. Hey, Victor, um, with the new year here, the happy new year, all listeners, now is the time to start working on those new year's resolutions. Field of Greens makes sticking to healthy New Year's resolutions easy. Field of Greens is the simplest way to get the daily recommended fruits and vegetables, or veggies, however you want to say. And it tastes amazing. Every fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. For our listeners... Field of Greens is giving you 15% off your first order when you go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R. Do that to get 15% off your first first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com, use the promo code VICTOR. That's promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, at fieldofgreens.com. And we thank the good people at Field of Greens for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson show. Victor, do you remember remember when you were a little boy back in the back in the Eisenhower administration? Um yes. Laurel, there was that famous Christmassy movie, Laurel and Hardy, The March of the Wooden Soldiers, and it had that theme song of Toyland, Toyland, Little Girl, and Boyland. Well, that is not the case anymore, not at least in the state you live in. Uh, now, California has passed a law to finding stores uh, with more than 500 employees that doesn't have a quote-unquote gender-neutral children's toy section. That law kicked in January 1st. It was signed by Gavin Newsom. I, I just, is this what our democracy slash republic is about i I think everybody's when they're listening to this they're asking them jack well i don't know anybody who's demanding this who who's demanding this who are the people who demanding it is it 10 20 30 40 percent of the population and why if somebody wants a gender neutral toy is there a demand is that why they're reacting or is the corporate boardroom leading the public or is the public leading the boardroom and if there can i don't think anybody has a problem with transgendered as us or us a new franchise right with that stuff but why do they always have to when there's no popular demand for it why do they have to go into target and put you know like they did before, cod pieces on children's underwear when there was nobody who wants that. And I don't understand that. I, I don't. And it's, I, I guess, we, if we want to be analytical, where do you follow that trail? Do you say, okay, there are people in corporations that are 
subject to pressure from the trans community. Is that it? So they go to a boardroom and he said, hey, you know what? I think we got to get ahead of the pack and have transgender toys. Okay. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll promote you. Is that how it works? Or is, oh, I was in New York the other day and I saw a big demonstration for trans toys. Okay. I saw one for cod pieces on children's uh, <laughs> swimming suits. Okay. I, I just don't think that's happening. I don't think people are saying, we're going to beat the pack. We've got to get Dylan Melvoni or whatever. What was his name? I, 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 Mr. I, Bud Light. Yes, Mr. Yeah. Bud Light. We've yes. got to get him out there because if we don't, you know, Coors is going to beat us to the transgender punch. I don't think that happens. I think all of this stuff is top down, dreamed up by people who come from where you guessed it, the university. And this, these little these little atolls all over the United States, these campuses are turning out this entire DEI machinery. It's like a little assembly line and it's designed to go into every fabric of a society from commercialism to buying and selling to department stores to the military to surgeons it's it's an ideology and there's no public support for it there's public support for tolerance if people want to be somewhat different from the normal the normal fine right. but don't push it down people's throats all the time and have this agenda when you don't have any there's no public support that's demanding that. The other thing that's really important to think is they always fixate on the misdemeanor because they cannot deal with the felony. So they're telling America the big problem right now in commercial retail is there's not enough transgendered items. It's not an epidemic of smash and grab. It's not a multi-billion dollar theft loss that's destroying uh, the retail industry. It's not looting trains down in the port of L.A. by criminal gangs. It's not supply chain that makes you can't get an echo diesel part. I got it in. It's not any of this. It's transgendered, uh, not not enough transgendered item. And therefore, they think, well, I solved that problem and I don't have to worry about 30 percent empty retail spacing and impossible uh, real estate market for stores in Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles and San Francisco downtown. That's how it works. And I go back to Mayor Bloomberg, your former mayor, when the snow was so bad and he couldn't remember that he couldn't get the. The streets, streets right? and what he did, yeah. he get a press conference, start talking about super outlawing, supersized soft drinks. Yeah. That was so, so, so damn important to them that I not have a, yeah, have a, a big gulp from a seven 11. Uh, not that I drink big gulps, but, but uh, Hey, um, we've talked a lot in recent um, podcasts about, um, um, Claudine Gay and Harvard and and the academic community and you just mentioned it, but there's a piece I think worth getting your your thoughts on by one of your your uh, uh, colleagues at Hoover, Neil Ferguson. He's written a piece called "The Treason of the Intellectuals." He did that for the Free Press, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Victor. Right after we, uh, or when we come back, right after these important messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Let me mention first, Victor, that to our listeners, and we have a lot of new listeners. Thank you, those who have been with us for quite a while. Our rankings recently have been pretty significant. That's because of the wisdom you share, not because of the mumbling questions you're asked by me. Uh, but um, uh, people should visit be visiting your website, The Blade of Perseus. The web address is victorhanson.com. If you're a fan of Victor, you will find that there are things you can't read that he's written anywhere else. There's nowhere else to get them except at the Blade of Perseus. And to read them, you need to subscribe. That's $5 gets you in the door. $50 discounted for the full year. There's plenty of stuff there. Otherwise, you know, links to the archives of this podcast, links to Victor's syndicated column, American Greatness essays, other appearances. But if you go there, if you go there right now, you'll see a top, and we're recording this on uh, you know one of the last days of December. Although this particular podcast is out the first week of January, there is a an angry reader um, piece that that you responding to this lunatic who's written to you. We're not going to get into it. Just, holy crap. She just, uh, I think she spent all day writing about the many ways in which she could stand Victor Davis Hanson. And yeah. you reply in kind to her. I, I get a lot. I get a lot of those. I get uh-huh. more. I, I, the volume of hatred has gone up. Not that I'm a wounded fawn. Everybody gets it, but it's, yeah. it's increased exponentially after, um, October 7th. Yeah. Um, I get, I got some today. Um, Sammy sent me an email with a bunch of them and said, are you going to reply to this or do you want to talk about this? And it's always the same. Well, so, um, they hate their, their, their evil has, and it is evil has been exposed. So I guess they're just going to let their freak flags uh, fly. But um Victor, some of the people who fly their freight flags are considered intellectuals and scholars and academics. And back to what I mentioned before the break, Neil Ferguson has written a piece, The Treason of the Intellectuals, and he bounces this off a a French philosopher writing in the 1920s, Julian Benda, who coined that phrase. And he's looking at, at the time, how... um, 
European academics were beginning to play what you call a pernicious role in in European politics and that Nazi Germany, um, um, Mussolini's Italy. So, uh, and they they were profoundly influential at at the time. So Neil writes about, uh, he asks a question, you know, a century later, American academia has gone in the opposite political direction, leftward instead of rightward, but has ended up in much the same place. The question is whether we, unlike the Germans, can we do something about it? So he, he asks a poses a question there, Victor. And also, I must say, though, I, I almost bothered me a little bit, like leftward, rightward, like the, the Nazis were, they were national socialists. I kind of misses a little something um, uh, comp comparing socialists to they were, they, were they, they were environmentalists and vegetarians, too. Yeah. Hitler, well, he makes uh, it. Hitler was a big vegetarian and environmentalist. Yeah, and couldn't it's, smoke in his presence, etc. Yes, but, uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Non-smoker, and, yeah. and uh, they were socialists. They just yeah. they were national socialists. That's the reason for it. Uh, I think Roger Kimball wrote an introduction to Binda's Treason of the Clerks or Treason of the Intellectuals, but he was trying to warn about the onset in the post-war nihilism of France. I mean, they lost a million people in World War One. And this was the birth. While he was writing this, it was a whole revolution in what we had just talked about, postmodernism, post-structuralism. It would be formalized in the 80s by people like Foucault and Derrida and Lacan, etc. Saussure, the Swiss linguist earlier. But it was a rejection of norms. And I guess they would say, well, norms gave us World War I and a million dead in the trenches and Verdun or the Somme in the case of the British, but everything was under examination. So paintings were no longer impressionistic even. They didn't, they were modern art. They were throwing paint on the canvas or poetry now had no rhyme. It had no poetic language. It had no meter. And there was no rhyme or logic when you ended a line. You just wrote out a sentence and chopped it arbitrarily and you threw it on the canvas, your text. That was a poem. And everything, sexuality was no longer, you know, monogamy or uh, chastity. All these were archaic terms. The war had helped destroy that, and especially in France and Weimar and Germany. But uh, England escaped that a little bit. Not uh, There was Bloomsbury and all that, but it, it escaped that, a lot of it. But... Binda was trying to warn people that eventually when you destroy these norms and there are no absolutes, then you're basically turning your lives over to these false gods. And these are going to be in, invariably authoritarian. And so you have to have some moral absolute in your life. And but when you just what he was trying to say is they look at everything in terms of power. So rules and laws have no natural ethics or humanity or they don't come from a God. They just reflect the people that have power. And I've used that metaphor before, but, you know, it's against a law to, to steal a silk tie because poor people don't 
you know, rich people don't steal silk ties, but poor people don't have them. So maybe they need them. Same with a candy bar or Adidas or any of that. And that's, that's what this Frankfurt School came out of this, this whole theory idea. And critical theory, we created these arbitrary racial distinctions for white people to set up. And then they created these stereotypes in this legal system that ended up with a disproportionate African-American. It has nothing to do with culture, nothing to do with behavior, nothing to do with anything. But it was about power. And that's and sexuality is about power. It's not about love, just power relations. And so he was trying to say these are anti-liberal and they take all the beauty and all of the nobility out of art and literature. And they play these little word games in these tiny little universities. And they're dangerous because out of these universities come these larger ideas and that infected Europe. And we saw what happened in Italy and, and Germany from it. And we saw what happened in the 1960s from it. And they almost destroyed the university here. I think they have almost. And that came out of French postmodernism. That was sort of like this. The other thing I think is important is that Binda is like uh, Raspel, and he's kind of a notorious guy, Camp of the Saints. It was kind of a dystopian novel that everybody said was racist, but it's not. It's more than just race based, it's kind of apocalyptic. Or Raymond Aron, or Camus, or any of these French intellectuals who are not socialist or communist, right. they're, all, they're always really brilliant people. Yeah, and uh, they're they have to be to function in France, and usually they're tried by fire, and their experience. They know how to argue. They know how to write, and uh, you know it's Jacques Barzon, Dawn to Decadence. Same thing. A French intellectual came out to the United States, and so. Uh, yeah. Every time uh, you see, every time you see a French intellectual, it's on the right. They're pretty brilliant people. They really are. Yeah. And uh, Camus was that way. He did, wasn't a man of the right, but he was a sensible person, like Benda. And um, the other thing is, I mentioned a little bit with Sammy. It, it is true that these pernicious ideas that lead to thousands of people killed whether they're advanced from the universities, you know, like Heidegger in Germany or wherever they're advanced. Uh, remember Paul DeMann, the big Yale postmodernist who turned out to be a complete Nazi sympathizer during the war. But when you look at the politicians, they're all from they're all from the upper, upper classes and they all were very well educated. And I'm talking about. Relatively speaking, Pol Pot, Shea, Castro, uh, even Mao was from an upscale peasant family. Right. Better than the alternative. Lenin, very wealthy. Trotsky, very wealthy. Marx, pretty wealthy. So I think everybody's got to realize that the university is a very explosive, dangerous place. It has a lot to recommend itself, but out of that, it, it attracts some very, very wealthy, privileged people who feel that they're not going to change their everyday life because it's too good to give up. But they're going to compensate by creating an ideology. It's going to be very destructive for people. And they're going to mask that selfishness on their part with a worldview that I'm for the people, the hoi, for hoi polloi. 
and I'm for social justice and I'm for diversity, equity. And, to, and you can really see it. Um, a lot of the BLM people, Hannah Nicole Jones and Miss Quellars and the architects of BLM, you can see, you can really see that they were not poor people. They were educated. They were privileged and they were destructive and they did a lot of damage before they, uh, in the case of the founders of BLM, absconded with the proverbial money. Yeah. Nice and, and, we, and, and we just talked about Karanga. He's another good example, the Kwanzaa guy. Yeah. And they're all very dangerous people, and they're everywhere. And we, we see them come and go. They come. Kendi came out of nowhere. Ta-Nehisi Coates came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, they cash in, and they do all this. Cash, stuff. yeah. 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 And like they win Powerball, almost seven-figure cash in for all of them. Hey, Victor, I know we're pretty crushed today for time for this particular episode. So we're going to have to um, wrap it up, but I'm going to spring something on you quickly because I just it just came to me and I just wanted to mention it. Uh, of late in the last few weeks, um, someone we both know, Doug, Douglas Murray, I think because you said something about Britain yes. before, I just, he has been so damn good writing and reporting uh, from the middle, from, uh, 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 you know, Israel, and also taken on that, gosh, he, he tore a, a new one for that, I can't remember his name, the, the lefty Turk, uh, Senjuk, something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, Douglas Murray is really a, 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 a treasure now, and he's he's really become very important to defending the things we believe in, so... Um, anyway, I just felt like saying that. If you want to say anything quickly to, to wrap this up, let's. Well, he's uh, been very good. He, he, he and Bruce Thornton wrote the best books on uh, the flaws or the uh, what's happening to Europe demographically and so, uh, ideologically. That was Bruce wrote a really great book. So did he. Yeah. About, about Europe, but he's been very good in comparing in very explicit graphic detail what Hamas does versus what Israel does. And I think yeah. I've tried to write a lot about that, but all these people that are protesting just have to ask them some questions. And they don't ask these questions just for the reasons we're talking about power and settlers and victim and victimizer. They're not talking about humanity. They just all they do is they look at a situation and they say, which is the side that it has been more successful? They don't even say more successful. They think that success was stolen from somebody else. Right. But the Israelis have more power. No, they don't. There's only 10 million of them. They're in a sea of 500 million Arabs. And had they conducted their society along the premises of Syria or Iraq or Lebanon, they'd be extinct now. But they were antithetical to the region around them that gave 10 million people a quality and a prosperity and a security that is inexplicable had they adopted the normal values. But they just look at that and then they, they just block, block out everything. They don't say to themselves, who mutilates, who decapitates, who incinerates, who desecrates, who mass rapes, who uses shields? Who kills prisoners? Who rapes hostages? Who takes hostages? Who sends missiles every single day into civilian areas with no texting about civilians, with no leaflets like the IDF does? 
Who goes out in the street behind somebody that's crippled or as a human shield? They don't ask that. They just say, who has the power? And they got the power because they were bad. And the people who don't have the power are good. That's why they're, they don't have power because they're good. No, they don't have power because there's a lot of reasons why they don't have right. power. And yeah. that's not because they're good people in uh, Hamas. And that they're weak because they do certain things that turn people off and uh, are counterproductive. And final thing, I've been wrestling with this question of the Gazan people because when you read about this latest Los An uh, New York Times about, it wasn't just so uh, Hamas people that were raping Jack. They were people right. who brought along machetes. Hey, I hear Hamas has broke into Israel. Give me the machete. Take it out under the sofa. I got to get in on it. I got to get over there and rape and behead some Jews. That's how that was kind of the attitude. Five or six hundred of them. And then when you see the people who were brought back and the 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 treatment of the crowd, they, you know, they yelled at them, spat on them. And then when the hostages were released, they swarmed the the Red Cross Crescent ambulances as if they wanted to attack the they voted for these people. So yeah, it's not a two state solution with these. Yeah. People. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, I hope that we can get relief to the Gazans. But this idea and when you see the manifestations of the Gazan cause here in the United States with people yelling, screaming about killing Jews and destroying Israel and wearing masks and breaking the law and hitting policemen and blocking normal commerce and swarming roads and making people late for flights. Maybe somebody should sue them for, uh, you know, I don't know what you would call it, but it was destroying people's lives. I mean, we go after yeah. every, everybody else. Maybe it's rac interstate racketeering. Uh, try, and people could sue for the damages if they lost a kidney because of that. I hope and sue the leaders. But there has yeah. to be some well. constant. We're not going to find justice in, under the Joe Biden administration. Or no, we're not. Rock, not we're not. And there's going to be no justice. And no. there's not going to be no normality because he is a puppet who is being run by the hard, hard left. And the hard, hard left is now Barack Obama, who's saying, you know what? I wanted to get reelected. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to get a big Netflix $100 million contract. I wanted to get four mansions. And I couldn't have done that had I been Mr. Revolutionary. But now I got all of that. I'm a wealthy man. I have mansions. I'm worth several hundred million dollars. And life's very good. And I'm going to dial it in, just like I dreamed once it was the ideal. I'm going to dial in my radical agenda to this facade called Joe Biden. And that's where we are. Well, Victor, um, one last thing as we close out today. Uh, thanks for all the wisdom you uh, shared, my friend. And thanks for those who, no matter what platform you listen to the Victor Davis Hanson show on, thank you. Those who are on iTunes and Apple can leave uh, zero to five stars and many, most leave five. Thank you. Some leave comments. Here's a comment. I listen to you often. I'm 91 years of age and keeping up with the current discussions. Your words are of great value and are only a, a few available to the listening ears. I am thankful for the many years of sorting through to find truth. Thank you, Mary. Mary 93. So, Victor, good old Mary's loving listening to you and 
you're you're important to uh to her still gleaning truth thank you mary thank you everyone Thank you, everybody. Thank, yeah, thanks to those. Oh, visit civilthoughts.com. Sign up for the free email weekly newsletter. I, Jack Fowler, right? Thanks very much for those who do that. Victor, God bless you. God bless all. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Anson Show. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.